talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Friday Buckeye Talk. It's Betting the Buckeyes. It's Doug Lane-Reese and Tyler Shoemaker. Just as a heads up, we are recording this Wednesday night. There's stuff going on around the holidays, but our thoughts are not changing because what we're doing is going back to what we did in the regular season. We're going to talk about a bet for the Ohio State-Georgia matchup in the Peach Bowl. Then Tishu and I, we during the regular season, we each made a pick in a Power 5 conference, one pick each. We're going to go through the six New Year's Six Bowls and make picks in those. And then at the end, the bowls that we have left, we'll go through and Tishu, if he has some things that he dug out that still might be of interest, he'll give you some best bets and, and maybe an upset special, stuff like that. But Tishu, a week ago, we did a bowl preview for everybody. And that was for a confidence pool. That was not betting against the spread. That was just which teams have the best chances to win. And then we set up a bowl pool. And I almost can't believe it, Tissue. 444 people joined the bowl pool. Isn't it? It's wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? Very cool. When I when I saw that, I was I was excited. That's very cool. So we're so happy to everybody that joined. And this is a confidence pool on ESPN.com. There's 41 bowls. They actually had 43 games because they had the Jackson State um, North. Was it North Carolina? I just know it was Jackson State because I picked Jackson State incorrectly. Jackson State, North Carolina Central, their bowl game, I think they included. And then they also include the national championship game. It's kind of like, well, you don't know who's going to be in it, but you're still going to pick it. So that's how you got to 43. So you gave confidence points 43 down to one. We talked about the games you should pick that you should give the most confidence to. And then I just wanted in a desperate, desperate search to be cool. I just wanted to get some high-confidence picks out early so I could try to get ahead and be out on top in the pool. So as we sit here recording this at 9 o'clock on Wednesday night, I am very excited to say that despite the fact that I'm 7-5, and which is not great, I am 10th in the pool. And then I look here, Tissue, and you're 9-3 and and you're 4th. And I was like, man, I'm just trying. Can I get a leg up on the world? And no, I can't get past my co-host here. How are you feeling about your bowl confidence pick so far? Really good. The The craziest thing about it is that that pull is straight up. Like you said, it's not against the spread. And I'm eight and three. But against the closing spread of all all these games total, I'm eight and three against the spread. So, you know, not not necessarily on those exact games. But overall, I'm, I'm eight and three against the spread right now. Uh, and straight up. So I'm I'm very happy uh, with how bowl season is going so far, much better than it treated me last year. Uh, so hopefully the regression bug is not coming. So you, so, oh, the regression bug. That's like the Grinch. We don't want to talk about the regression bug. I feel, no, I think we're, I think we're grooving here. I was all excited. My, one of my big bowl ones, I think it was my second confidence one was uh, Oregon State over Florida. And that was a wipeout. Oregon State just destroyed Florida. I was like, yes, we got that one. There are a couple other ones. My number one confidence was UAB over Miami of Ohio in the very first game that it ended with Miami on the one and a half yard line. <laughs> it was like the Super Bowl for the Titans against the Rams. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my 43. You can't lose your 43 point pick in a bowl confidence pool tissue. That would have been horribly embarrassing for me. Yeah, that. That was looking a little murky for you there for a little bit. I, I actually, when Miami got the ball first, drove, and then didn't score, and then UAB went down and scored, I actually bet Miami plus 17 and a half live. So that was that was a nice sweat-free uh, fourth quarter for me. <laughs> nice. No, that was very good. Um, so, so we wanted to do that. 
last week to, to for the bowl conference pool. But now we're going to go back. We're going to pick games. We're going to pick totals. We're going to pick against the spread. We're going to go back to picking these games. Because, again, we're getting you ready. If you want a little more information, cleveland.com slash betting. It's around the corner. January 1st, legalized sports betting is coming to the state of Ohio. If you're listening in another state, you very well might have legalized sports betting already. But we always kick off T-Shoe. And, oh, I just want to give a little shout-out. As we sit here, Senor Tackett's Picks 2. That's Brandon Tackett is leading the bowl pool right now. Corby Ward, the picks of the what? The picks of the people. That's in second place. And Bracket Mania Pick'em Adam King is in third place. Adam King. I wonder if that's the Adam King is the sports guy. That'd be crazy. I know he listens to Buckeye talk. I wonder if that's him. I'm going to have to ask him. If it's not, congratulations to the other Adam King. Those are the top three people in the bowl pool right now. And then let me double check who's fourth. T. Shoe, it says. Tyler Shoemaker. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What a victory lap. Your whole life is a victory lap. You're taking pictures with Michi Johnson and your dunk doctor <laughs> sweatshirt. My God. Michi Johnson now that. knows you as the dunk doctor. He's like, oh, I got a picture of the dunk doctor today. It's probably, no, he just knows me as, as oh, that kid's dad that, that got a picture. <laughs> my, my son was excited to, to get a picture with him. So I was like, well, I might as well jump in this too. Figured, figured Twitter so would like that. Former Ohio State basketball player, Michi Johnson, who now plays at South Carolina, and you were able to go to a game. And then it's like, hey, former Buckeye. Hey, shout out. So yeah, I, nice. I actually, I, I, I saw him. I, I told my son, I was like, hey, if we see Michi after the game, I'm going to give him an OH. And, and I did. And he gave me an IO back. And then we, we got a picture. So it was cool. Very nice. Uh, okay. So let's talk about what has been one of the most fun parts. Oh, by the way, before we talk about that. You honestly believe, I know you believe in your heart because you believe in the power of betting the Buckeyes on Buckeye Talk. You are taking 17% credit for JT Daniels transferring to Rice, right? You think (laughs) we did this? At least. I I don't know. I don't know how you could make the argument against us somehow, at least in a small part, causing that. We we put Rice on the map. We... (laughs) (laughs) JT Daniels was the starting quarterback for the team that won the national championship last year at the beginning of the season. And then he wasn't the quarterback anymore. And Stetson Bennett became Stetson Bennett. So JT Daniels, his career has been USC to Georgia to West Virginia. And now he announced his, he's transferring again. He's going to rice. I couldn't believe it. Uh, It was the second most exciting thing to happen to rice football this season, other than becoming an early tissue favorite this season. So congratulations to rice. I'm also a little confused by like the one time transfer rule in college football. It's like, actually it's an unlimited time transfer rule yep. that you can literally, I mean, I guess good for JT Daniels for seeking out the right situation, but at some point, like, I don't know. I don't have that much freedom. I'm married. I have no freedom, but it's like, you just, I mean, you can literally just go how, how many anyway. So rice football got a famous quarterback. All right, but the second most fun thing we've done this year beyond Rice is this Ohio State bet of the week because you struck on something, T-Shoe, with these Ohio State first quarter totals taking the over. And now here we are, Ohio State playing the best defensive team in the country. Maybe they're not statistically in every measure the best defense, but they are the best defensive team. Kirby Smart, this plan, this talent. And now we have a first quarter And we're wondering if we're talking about an Ohio State bet of the week. And here's why we're doing this, folks. Starting next Monday, 
Nathan and Steve and I are going to be in Atlanta and we're just going to be like talking about everybody, all the stuff that everybody's saying down there. So we wanted to get tissue in on all these big bowl games now, right? Because when we're in Atlanta, we're going to be knee deep in quotes and that kind of thing. So we're going a little early on this, but it's not that early. So it's just a, it's a, it's a little early, but it's New Year's six picks. And we're talking about an Ohio State bet of the game. Is the Ohio State, are you going back to the first quarter total, Tishu? Or, or can you not, can you not go there when you're dealing with the Georgia Bulldogs? I can't pass it up. I mean, it's, it's 13 and a half and DraftKings has it 13 and a half minus 105. So, I mean, you're getting incentivized to take the over here and I, I just can't pass it up. There's been there's been some early sharp uh, movement on the the full game over. So I I think a lot of sharp betters do think there's going to be some points scored in this game. And and as we've seen really from both of these teams, Ohio State in particular obviously scores a lot in the first quarter. But Georgia, that's kind of what they've done to teams this season is, is jump out early and then they kind of sit on it the rest of the game. So they don't score a ton of points in full games necessarily, but but I do think they have a propensity to score early in the game. And and I think. I mean, my gosh, these teams have had a month to to prepare and get stuff schemed up, and and I think two two touchdowns. I I just don't see a world that that doesn't happen. And I do think, I mean, you can I think believe in the Georgia offense as part of this too. You know, just analyzing the Ohio State defense versus the Georgia offense. This is I don't Ohio State is not going to come out and smother these guys. I mean, with that run game. The tight ends, if A.D. Mitchell is healthy and in that game as a deep threat guy, I mean, Stetson Bennett can move around. He's athletic. Todd Munkin has a good game plan. I think it'll take Jim Knowles a little time. Sometimes when we're betting these T-shoe and we're taking the over, you're kind of counting it as like, well, we Ohio State better score two touchdowns, right? Yeah. Or maybe maybe we've been taking it 13. It's like, well, if you get a touchdown and two field goals, at least you get a push there. This is a this Georgia offense, and I think people know this tissue, but this Georgia offense is good enough that I think you take this over because you're assuming that seven seven or ten seven or something like that might be a very likely first quarter score because I think the Georgia offense is going to move the ball in this one. Yeah, I mean, I've got the Georgia offense ranked ranked sixth, and the Ohio State offense ranked first. So, I mean, this is two top 10 offenses going at it. So I, I think, you know, if, if at the end of the first quarter, it's seven, seven, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by that. And we, we cash a first quarter over ticket. And I think it just would be weird. I don't think it's going to be three, nothing. I just don't like, I don't think it's going to be that kind of game. No. When you just as a reference, and we've talked a little bit about first quarter overs, then you maybe getting onto something here. Is this just where, where, where most first quarters over first quarter totals are around 13, 13 and a half, 14. Are there sometimes, when first quarter totals are 10, depending on the matchup, sometimes is it 17, depending on a matchup, or is this just kind of like the norm? And if you believe in the offenses at all, and if 14 at least gets you a push and you're just counting on two touchdowns, like this is a world that you can live in. Yeah, I, I would say this 13 and a half line is is about average. I mean, I, I thinking back throughout the course of the season. I mean, I saw some like seven and a half to nine and a half, but I also saw like, I know there was an Oregon game or two where the first quarter over was like 16 and a half. So um, this is, this is kind of right in the middle. Okay. Cause I guess it's normal football, but it feels yep. like you're betting on normal football. It's like, if you said, Hey, what do you think the uh, score of the Ohio state George is going to be after first quarter? Like, I don't know, seven, seven, I don't know, 10, seven. I don't know. They would say, I don't know, six, nothing. It just seems yeah. weird. It's like, no, these are like two competent teams. Yes, the Georgia defense is very, very good. 
I don't think it's going to be 21 to 17 after the first quarter, but I think teams are both comp- competent and confident enough to each score a first quarter touchdown. We're cash. This is cashing. Oh, it's going to be so sad because the first quarter is going to end like three hours before <laughs> betting becomes legal in Ohio. I kind of wish this game kicked off at midnight at 12.01. And the first thing everybody could bet is the first quarter over, right? Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be appropriate. You know, if you were an advisor to the governor of Ohio or the legislative bodies in Ohio, wouldn't you tell them, just move it up to December 31st so everybody can bet the Ohio State game? Like, do you guys understand how this works? Normally it's like, oh, it'll be January 1st. All the games are on New Year's. They're not on New Year's Day this year. They're on December 31st. Like, this is ridiculous, isn't it? That it's not legal yet to bet this in Ohio. Yeah, I mean, it, they're just financially they're they're missing out on on so much revenue by not doing that. It, it it doesn't make any sense to me because I mean, if if Ohio State loses this game, like their season's done, now you're not going to be able to cash in on the Ohio State bets that would be rolling in until next fall. So I I don't I don't get it from from that sense. I definitely I got a a note. Gambling people just send me nonstop emails now, um, but. Somebody from RotoWire sent me a, just a thing that said, like, Ohio will miss out on millions by launching sports gambling afterward. And it is. This is the whole point of this is you regulate it and you tax it. Like, you regulate it and then you keep you keep some of the money. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Ohio – do you think maybe Ohio just has enough money? They're like, ah, we're good. <laughs> well, we, can, ah, we can maybe fund a little bit more for – ah, the education fund doesn't need any more money. We're good. We, it's January 1st. Because everything, everybody thinks round numbers and whatever. It's just, it's a construct. What is January 1st? I don't even know. It's made up, right? I don't know. It's not like ordained. It's like we made man made a calendar. And I get that the, you know, the sun circles the earth or whatever. (laughs) Whatever the order that is, something goes around something and the other thing spins. But the bottom line is you should be able to bet on this game in Ohio. Listen, I'm not saying that. I have connections, but I could get a message. I'll do it. I'll do it. I could get a message to people that matter. Just to do a decree. Just a decree. I don't know. Isn't a governor like a king? You can decree whatever you want. Just decree that you can start it on December 31st and then give everybody like a $10 bonus, like a $10 free bet. Okay. We're not here to make money for the gambling industry, but I mean, wouldn't it be fun to be able to bet on this game? Okay, you're not going to bet on it because you're just an Ohio State fan who's going to enjoy it. You wouldn't bet on it, right? Of course. <laughs> of course, I will not I be. I, I, honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know that I can I can handle the, the Michigan game took a lot out of me emotionally. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how I'm feeling on, on New Year's Eve. Emotionally and financially. So you might have to sit this one out. Um, okay. That's our Ohio State. Guess what? It's like, hey, did you guys hear about the Ohio State bet of the week? It's like, was it a first quarter total over? Yeah, it was. Okay. But you still you got 15 minutes of chitter-chatter. When we come back, we're going to make our New Year's six, those six bowl games. I'm not making my side pick on Ohio State-Georgia until I make it like the day before the game because I'm going to go down there and I'm going to listen to everybody. And I'm going to absorb vibes and I'm going to get more information. And I think that matters to how I view that. So I'm going to make a pick for Ohio State Georgia. I'm not going to pick a side. I'm not going to give you like my secret early thing. But we're going to do all, you know, over-unders and minuses and pluses, all that kind of stuff for the New Year's Six Bowls next on Betting the Buckeyes on Buckeye Talk.
All right, back on betting the Buckeyes. We're going to run through these games, and we'll start off with Clemson, Tennessee in the Orange Bowl because that is the first one. That one is – I should have a bowl schedule up, Doug. That one is the day before um, Ohio State plays on December 31st. That one actually is on Friday, December 30th. It's at the Orange Bowl. Tissue, again, we're, we're trying to take – Mood and vibe and opt-outs and all that kind of stuff into consideration. The reality of this is Hendon Hooker made everything about Tennessee go. He got hurt. And then Jalen Hyatt won the Boletnikoff Award as the best receiver in the country, and he's opted out. And DJ Uyunglele was the starting quarterback all year for Clemson, and he's already gone in the portal. Miles Murphy, one of the best Clemson defensive players, has opted out. This is just like, this is not the true versions of Tennessee and Clemson. Like, it's, it's not. It's kind of a hodgepodge version. But within that, it gives me a certain view of things. And I'll just tell you what my view is. My view is this is Cade Klubnick reminding the world that he should have been the quarterback before this. And so I, I just – Clemson's – DJ's gone, but which means that Clemson's going to play its best quarterback. So I like Clemson in that situation. I have Clemson minus six. I was trying to look around. I think maybe there's some yep. other – maybe a six and a half in there somewhere. But I have Clemson minus six, and I think Clemson's the pick. In this one, I just think it's hard. Tennessee's not who they are. But I think this is like the coming out party for Cade Klubnick, who next year is going to maybe be one of the better quarterbacks in the country. So I feel moderately comfortable taking Clemson minus six in this game. How do you see this? This is, of these games, this is the one I'm the least confident in, just because like there's just so many moving parts here. Like my number on the game, just using you know the team aggregate data from the season, is Tennessee minus 11 and a half, but then you start to factor in who's out and on both sides. And it's, it's just, it's a wash for me. I don't really want to make a pick on this, but judging just reading the market when this, cause this line touched seven briefly Clemson minus seven and immediately went back down and uh, to six and a half and is now at six. I think I'm going to take Tennessee here just because even though they've got a ton of guys out, I don't think that makes up 17 and a half points of difference to a spread. So I'm just, I'm going to make a numbers play here. I don't, I don't love it. Like, don't, please don't bet your mortgage on this. I, this is my least confident pick, but I'm going to take Tennessee plus the six. This is one of those tissue where it just has, you know, the, the guys have the right to do this. I do think this is not an underrated. I think it's a very obvious part of the 12 team playoff. But you're just going to get so many more games in the postseason where teams are at full strength, when yep. teams are who they are, and the uh, and it's just your. This is almost like bowl games are almost like a spring game to some degree anymore, and that it is no longer a great matchup of sort of two teams who normally wouldn't play each other. And hey, you're you're getting a showdown there. You know, it, it's funny to think about when the bowl opt outs first started and they were kind of unusual and rare and now it's just like okay well you just assume yeah. the best guys the best if you are any kind of a veteran team your best guys aren't going to play and then it's like all right well, if you're super young and it's like well our best guy is like a true freshman or a sophomore well then he's he'll play because he's not going to the nfl yet so um it's it makes this difficult right this is not a time yeah. and i guess i guess is this a place where sharp betters would look for an edge tissue or is it just such murky water? Cause it's not like the opt outs are secret, right? If you could be like, yeah. Oh, there's a secret opt out that only the sharps with inside information know about. These are declared very early. 
So is there an edge to find in these situations or is it just chaos? In my opinion, it's it's chaos. I, I think there probably are some sharp betters that that may declare that you know they have an edge and that they are are getting one over on on everyone. I again, and that's that's kind of why I'm going ten, Tennessee here, just because like I one I think everyone is going to be like, okay, Kate Klubnik looked really good when he came in there late in the season. Tennessee's going to be missing everybody. Like I think everyone's going to jump on Clemson. Um, so the fact that the line moved against Clemson here late uh, lately tells me that that the sharp betters that think they have an edge that's where they're going is Tennessee. So I'm just I'm going to ride with with that and and just make this based on a market play. the The hard thing here is usually in a game like this, it's like okay, okay, well, who's more motivated? And I I don't even know the answer to that in this in this game because Clemson didn't quite have the season that they wanted necessarily Tennessee had kind of this miracle season to a point. And then it, you know, the wheels fell off with uh, getting blown out by South Carolina and Hendon hooker getting injured. So like, I don't, I don't really know the motivation angle on, on either of these teams. So I, this would be a complete stay away for me if we, if we weren't sitting here having to, having to pick it, but I'll, I'll take Tennessee plus six. And that's interesting to me, just based on your numbers. Again, you're saying there's just a, a at their best, there's a huge gap for you between yep. Tennessee and Clemson at their best, what your numbers are showing, where's, where is Tennessee in your ratings and where is Clemson in your ratings? Cause you're talking about a 17 point spread here, right? Yep. Uh, Tennessee is fifth and Clemson is 12th. Okay. Okay. So it is, you're trying to, you get a read on it and then you're trying to get a version of like what percent of that team am I getting? And I do think that's interesting. And people have to take that into account that you had that much of a gap at their best. And it's not like none of the players for either team are playing. I mean, there's still this, you know, there's linemen playing and linebackers and tight ends and guys that matter. It's just, you know, quarterbacks and receivers who aren't going to be part of it. Okay. Sugar Bowl, I can't believe it. And if people want to want to hear a little bit more about this on the College Football Survivor Show this week where uh, we broke down Ohio State and Georgia on that show, I had on Mike Rodak of AL.com, and we talked a little bit about Bama in there. And when we did our bowl confidence pool, Tishu, I had Kansas State and Alabama as one of my lowest confident picks because I was getting ready to take Kansas State. Because when we started making those, doing the things, I thought, well, Bryce Young and Will Anderson are not going to play. And Bryce Young and Will Anderson, Alabama's two best players who are both going to the NFL draft, who might both go in the top five, are saying they are both playing, and I I cannot believe it. So Mike Rodak, as an Alabama beat writer, had an interesting just like view of that and what that means. But that to me is a is a stunning revelation tissue. And I don't know if you monitored all like how much the line moved or if the sharps were already assuming that. I have it. What I saw now is six and a half. Alabama minus six and a half. I was prepared for like motivation and all that kind of stuff to like make a Kansas State play, assuming Bryce Young, <laughs> Bryce yep. Young and Willie Anderson weren't going to play. But it's like I think Deuce Vaughn's really good for K State, and they had a great year. But man, it's Willie Anderson and Bryce Young. <laughs> so yep. like, what what do you think of this, and how like how do you analyze this game? Yeah, so when when that announcement was made, the line moved about three points pretty quickly. Um, from it was a, it was around three and a half when I saw it when I saw the announcement come out, and then it. it has settled here around around six six and a half, depending on where you look. But I'm with you. I 
I was fully prepared to to make a Kansas State play here. I think we talked about that on the last show. There's no way I could I could take Kansas State here now because this isn't like, you know, like last year, Ohio State going to the Rose Bowl, like the team was, you know, deflated for not making the playoff. But like CJ and Jackson, those guys like had to play pretty much. So you could kind of factor in like, OK, they're playing, but like they're they don't really want to be there. Bryce Young and Will Anderson are making a conscious decision to play for their team. So not only do you have them at their best and locked in, but that, I think that's going to rally the team. That's like, look, our, our two leaders are making the choice to come play. Like, let's go play our butts off for them. So I, there's no way I could, I could bet against Alabama here. The total's 56. I didn't know what to make of that. So I just took Bama minus six and a half. You're saying your play is also Bama minus yep. six and a half here. Okay, go figure. I don't know. Maybe it'll be one of those where like they both play the first quarter and then they sit and they work guys in. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'd be ready for anything, but I do think Saban they're there, and I don't think it's fair to say that a team that has opt outs has a bad culture. I don't. I think that's no. not a fair assessment in the modern day when very good individual players are only looking out for their futures and their families. And that doesn't mean that you're a bad teammate, that your team has a bad culture, but it does feel like Saban is like making a culture play here at a time when Georgia is trying to take the sec from them. And so maybe they're out to remind people of who they are. Maybe they're out. I know there's like, there's some discussion. They brought in a lot of transfers this year. Do they, is there a culture issue? You know, it's fun. They, they, you know, they lost two close games. They only lost two games the whole year. But Belichick and Saban have been the two dominant coaches in the NFL and college football for these two decades. And, like, there's some stuff of, like, I don't know, Bill. Like, is this – are you ready to hang it up? And I don't think we're there with Nick, but I think Nick wants to make sure we're not there. So I, I'm yeah. I'm very eager to see what level of motivation Alabama has in this game tissue. But the bottom line is you would not – whatever the level of motivation is, you would not want to bet against it. Yeah, one, so neither one of thing, us will. Yeah, one thing that sticks in my mind here as I was looking at this game is I believe it was 2019 was the last time Alabama didn't make the playoff, right? And I, was that the two a year where he got hurt? It was yes, the year that Mac Al- Jones is playing yeah, into the year. Yeah, yeah. The, the year that Alabama played Michigan in, in whatever bowl they went to. And I remember being like, oh man, Alabama's not going to want to be there. I bet Michigan. And that looked great for a half. And then Alabama wiped him off the field in the second half. So that is kind of plastered in my mind here also that like Alabama, I mean, Nick Saban is just, they, he just gets them up and they're, they're going to play. And there's no way, especially under a touchdown that I could, that I could bet against them here. Okay. Let's go to the cotton bowl. It's always one of these things. This is weird thing, right? A non, a, a group of five team, the best group of five champ gets in that this year is Tulane. Tulane beat Kansas state. Tulane had some good wins over Cincinnati, made its way through the American. Tulane's a good team. USC like was on the edge of making the playoff. This line is only two and a half, and I'm kind of confused by that. How do you how are you currently reading this USC Tulane matchup? Yeah, I, this is actually a best bet for me. Um, I don't know if we want to do that here or, or at the end, but I, I do have a best bet on this game. You want me to, to go ahead and do it? Let's go ahead and do it. Okay, so I'm I'm going to give a best bet on Tulane here, uh, plus plus two and a half. I again, like we've talked about before, if it's if it's at two and a half, I would advise buying up to three, but I, I would take it at two and a half. Um, and honestly, with it being a bowl game, I would I would sprinkle some on the money line as well, just because 
most of the time in bowl games, the team that covers also wins the game. So uh, just just keep that in mind here as you're betting during bowl season as well. But USC is kind of in the Ohio State position from last year where like they they really thought they were going to be in the playoff until their last game and and they kind of blew their shot and Caleb Williams was banged up. I, I do, from what I read, I do expect him to play, but Jordan Addison has opted out. Uh, I think that was today, uh, Wednesday, that, that he announced that. So I think Tulane's going to be ecstatic to be there. I think they're going to come to play. You know, their coach could have left. He stayed. Their quarterback could have left. He's he's back. So I, I think they're going to come in, you know, ready to go. And I, I don't know how excited USC is going to be to be there. Uh, so I, I'm going to going to play Tulane here plus two and a half. Just again in your ratings, how high is Tulane? Tulane at its best, just based on the season it had as the champ of the American. With they again, they like kind of screwed up the Big Twelve by beating Kansas State because there was this world of like, if Tulane doesn't beat Kansas State, and all of a sudden Kansas State's like the Big Twelve champ, it's like I don't know, would they have a, would they have had a playoff case like ahead of TCU? And it's like by the time Kansas State got to the Big Twelve championship game, you knew they weren't going to make the playoff. And one of the reasons is because they lost a non-conference yep. game to Tulane. So how high do you, your ratings have Tulane? Yeah, I've got Tulane's 16th and USC's 13th. So, I mean, they're they're right by each other. Um, the line is, from just a pure number standpoint, the line is about right. I make it 2.3. But, we, you know, we always talk about my recent formula. And looking at the recent formula, I would make it Tulane minus 10 and a half. So, wow. like, I, I think I think there's a real shot that, that Tulane's going to win this game. Tulane's been playing. Tulane playing very good football down the stretch. I am actually in this game. I think the total I have last I saw was sixty-two and a half. Tshu. Yep. I'm looking at some numbers that I stole from a betting site. I think it was on FanDuel. Says that Tulane has gone over the total in six of its last seven, and USC has gone over the total in its last seven in a row. I think Tulane has like five different games this year where it scored at least 40. 62 and a half doesn't seem like that much of a stretch for me that you're getting into like a 38-31 kind of game. Seems about right. I'd be curious what your numbers are, are saying on the total because my bet in this game is going to be the over. And sometimes I think if you're not motivated, like TC, like USC may not be motivated – to me, that might mean like, eh, let's not play defense. And offensively, it's like, I don't know, chuck it. And to me, that feels like an over. And then you add in a two-lane team that, you know, the, it, the Kansas State game was 17-10. And they've also won some games in the 20s, but they've gone over 45 times. And so, like, they have the ability to do that. So, I like the over at 62.5. What would your numbers say about that? So, my season-long number on this game would be 58. But when I look more recently, I would make it like – but. Like I mentioned before, I look at like seven different formulas, and I've got it as high as seventy three. So I, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't want to play an under here. You know, even even though my season long number would would call for it. I mean, bowl games are just are just different, and I think you do have to look at how they're playing recently. And and that being the case, I think this probably does end up in the seventies. All right, Rose Bowl, Utah minus two and a half against Penn State. The total is fifty one and a half. No Dalton Kincaid, the great tight end for Utah. No Tavion Thomas, their running back. No Parker Washington, who was hurt for Penn State at the end of the year anyway. He's going to the NFL. Joey Porter Jr., their great corner, who's going to be a first-round pick. He's opted out. Again, nothing unusual. Guys opting out of games, not being at full strength. 
How you see in this one, TSU, Utah versus Penn State? Yeah, my number is Penn State minus two and a half. Again, not factoring in who's in and who's out, but I still think the who's in, who's out still kind of favors Penn State, even though, like you mentioned, they're going to be missing the first round corner and probably their best receiver. But I think not having Clark Phillips, uh, Dalton Kincaid, and Tavian Thomas, I, I think is a bigger blow to what Utah does as a team than than those guys are for what Penn State does as a team. So I considered making this a best bet. I'm not, but I am going to take Penn State plus the points here. I really like Penn State in this one. And I think part of it is the continuation of maybe people not realizing how good Penn State is. Because it's like, oh, how did Penn State do this year? It's like, oh, they lost twice. Who they lose to? Two playoff teams. Yep. Oh, that's pretty good. Did they get blown out? Well, actually, they were in the game, like, at least into the third quarter in both of them. And then they kind of got rolled, but they were hanging around for a while. Now, the Michigan game, they were kind of hanging around on some fluke plays, and then Michigan steamrolled them. The Ohio State game, they were legitimately in. They were leading in the middle of the fourth quarter. There was nothing fluky about that. Penn State played well in that game. Um, And this is a stat that I stole, I think, from bookies.com. If you remove the Michigan game where Michigan ran all over Penn State, Penn State would only be giving up 76.6 rushing yards per game. And the best in the country right now is Georgia at 77. So it's one of those things like we'll take out their worst game. It's like, okay, well. Yeah. But I think the point is getting rolled by Michigan, who might be the best rushing team in the country, best offensive line, one of the best running backs, one of the best backup running backs, at least the version that was playing Penn State then. As long as they're not playing Michigan, it's hard to run on them. And you're talking about a Utah team that doesn't really chuck it around. That's more of a running back tight end kind of offense anyway. That's not going to have his best tight end. That's not going to have his best running back. And I don't think we're going to see a repeat of last year's Rose Bowl, where it was two teams chucking the ball all over each other because Utah was playing running backs at corner and Ohio State had bad defense all year. And it was like, let's just throw until our arms fall off. I think if Utah thinks it's going to get, oh, here comes a Big Ten team. They don't play any defense. I think they're going to, oh, this Penn State team, even without Joey Porter, because Kalen King's a great corner. They have some guys up front. They have linebackers. They have safeties. It's, it's, I think it's going to be a completely different game. You look at the total. That's why the total is 51 and a half, right? After Ohio State and, and Utah played first one to 50 last year, practically. I like the style of game for Penn State. I just think Utah might have trouble moving it. And listen, not that they're not motivated to go to the Rose Bowl, but last year when they went to the Rose Bowl, it was like, oh, the Rose Bowl against Ohio State? This is the greatest thing that has ever happened to Utah football. And now it's like, oh, yeah, same thing as last year. It's just a little different, I think. I think it's just a little different. And meanwhile, Penn State, I think, is potentially interested, Tissue, in reminding people of how good Penn State is. And I think that is maybe, you know, I don't know, the best two-loss team in the country outside of Alabama. I just think this is a good motivational setup for Penn State. And again, I think you look at the opt-outs. I think Utah's hurt more than Penn State is. And I and I think like Penn State like might be Utah won the Pac-12. I don't know. I think Penn State might be better. And I think might people might not know how good Penn State is. So you're, you can still make it a best bet if you want to, because I know you were almost there, and then I just gave a, a heck of a rousing speech about the fight in Nittany Lions. But there's a lot here for Penn State. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, by the time we get to January 2nd, there's probably a better chance than not that I do have have a little something on that game on, on Penn State. Okay. 
Let's get to the two playoff games. And, and this is, listen, there's a million, we're only going to be continuing to talk about and think about these two playoff games from now until forever. So, um, you know, it's not that we're going to ignore them, but I don't think this is the end all be all of like what we think nine days out of games like this. But I, you've had an angle, I think, on Michigan TCU from the jump. Michigan minus seven and a half. The total is 58 and a half. Where, where is your head right now in this game? I'm I'm very surprised how the markets acted on this game. Like my numbers in the market do not agree at all. Uh, it because it it opened nine and a half. I think my number is ten and a half, but it's been bet down to seven and a half. And and the sharp books that I kind of monitor to see where the line might be headed, I won't be surprised if this gets to seven. Uh, I there's there's a lot of TCU love out there, and my numbers have been high on Michigan, like we've talked about all season. But they've been pretty right on being high on Michigan all season. So I don't see any reason to change that. So I'm going to lay the seven and a half here with Michigan. Again, if you do decide to bet this, I, w- I would buy down to seven uh, just to get on the key number. But uh, but I like Michigan as a side here. Would you wait for another week or so to see if it gets to seven on its own? Because you're saying you think it might. Yeah. And then so how I would how I would play this is I would wait. If you see it start to touch eight, then go ahead and, and buy to your seven. But I, I do I do think there's a chance that this gets to seven on its own and, and you might not have to buy the the hook there. Is what do you think it is? Because again, your numbers have just like Michigan all year, and you've been proven to be right on that. You said you're surprised on this. What do you think is the angle on TCU? Is it that Blake Corum's not playing for Michigan? What is it? I I I really don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know because Usually, you know, predictive models like mine and like like these guys use that are that are moving these lines, they're going to factor in, you know, kind of the luck things. Like they're they're pretty good at identifying when a team is winning but lucky. And TCU had a lot of quote unquote lucky wins this year, so I that's why my numbers haven't been very high on TCU, and they've been very high on Michigan. Uh, so I, I honestly don't, I can't put my finger on why the market is is driving. Now we may get two days before the game and realize that. JJ McCarthy's not playing or something and like that that's why but based on the information we have available today I I really don't know. All right, the total here is 58 and a half and my pick in this game is the under. I think both teams I think are capable of slow starts. I think we've seen Michigan put people away in the second half this year. TCU has, has certainly started slow at times. They played that game against Texas where nobody could score early. TCU's run defense is an issue. And they have given up 100-yard rushers multiple times this year. They did a good job against B. John Robinson in the Texas game, but Deuce Vaughn hit him a couple times. Oklahoma hit him on the ground. A couple other people hit him on the ground. But even if I, even if you think Michigan's going to like run them over, I don't think – I think TCU probably watched – I don't know. I would imagine. Watched a little bit of the Ohio State-Michigan game and said, don't do that and don't give up broken coverages that lead to easy points. I just think there's like a lot of ways where this could be a pretty convincing Michigan win and it's still an under. Like I don't this doesn't feel like a shootout to me. And the Michigan defense I think is quite quite competent and I I just think to me if I'm thinking about this game I'm thinking about this game more like in the 20s. And it's just it's a little interesting to me like for instance and I know TCU's had some games where they run up and down the field. I just don't think that's going to be it. So I like the under at 58 and a half. I'm a little surprised that like Utah Penn State's 51 and a half, and this is 58 and a half. What do you think of the total on this game? I mean, I, I think it's about right. 
I my number is like a point higher. But again, looking at all the formulas that I look at, I mean, it, it's a pretty mixed bag. So I, th- I think the I think the line is is about right here. But I'm with you in terms of like game script of how I think the game's going to go. I think it's much more likely that Michigan kind of plays the Georgia game script where it's like, let's let's jump out and then just sit on it and and get out healthy with a win and get to the national championship. There's no you know, you don't need style points here. You just need to win. And I, I think Jim Harbaugh is the, the type of coach that's going to recognize that and, and play to that. OK. All right. Last one. So Ohio State, Georgia. I think I'm going to ask if you want to come on next week when Stephen and Nathan and I make our actual picks. And we have a picks for this game show because, which we'll do the day before the game. We'll make, well, that'll be a Friday podcast when the game's next Saturday. I, I don't want to, this is the team that, this is Ohio State. This is what everybody listening here cares about. And I don't want to make us give a full theory of the game and that kind of thing this far out when it's this important. So I'm not going to make you do anything here, but there is one, there's something I want to talk about, which is the total at 62 and a half. Because there is sort of a theory of the game to me, and I will say I do think Ohio State can be competitive, and I think Ohio State being competitive means this game is an over. Because I don't think Ohio State's competitive on the under. And so I also do think that there are things that the Ohio State defense is going to have a somewhat significant problems with with the Georgia offense that everyone knows how good the Georgia defense is, but you just said how highly rated the Georgia offense is. So the thing that I am interested in to talk about now is I like the over at the moment for this game at 62 and a half. What do you think of that total? Yeah, I mean, I think the line is about right, but I think if I had to make a play on the total, I would go over. And like I said, the, I I have been monitoring sharp action on the over uh, here leading up leading up to the game. So I think that's where sharp betters are are thinking as well. I just I don't see this being a, a low scoring game. I don't I don't think it's one where Georgia can get up ten nothing and then just sit on it and just keep Ohio State stonewalled the whole game. Like I, I think Ohio State's going to get some points. But as we saw in the Michigan game, like Ohio State's going to – they are susceptible to big plays. And even though that hasn't been Georgia's forte all year, it wasn't Michigan's either, and, and we saw what happened there. So I think I think in terms of the total, it could look like the Michigan game. I just think the game script, you know, the, the spread of it is going to be much, much closer. But I, I think in terms of total points, I think it could end up uh, resembling kind of the Michigan total. Listen, this is this is a Georgia team that – the, the SEC championship game was 80. They scored 50. Georgia scored 50 in the SEC championship game. Like this Georgia offense is is quite able. So I just I just sort of like that number. Is there anything else about that game that that this far out tissue you want to make any proclamations about, or we should we chill out a little bit on Buckeyes Bulldogs? Uh, no, I I think I'm good. I mean, I I definitely have a, a pretty strong lean here, but uh, like you said, we'll we'll talk about that next week before the game. But um, no, I, I think I think I'm good. I would I would definitely lean over, and we'll we'll give our our spread picks uh, next week. Okay, so we'll wait on that, and we'll tell you to bet the first quarter over, and really think hard about maybe the over for the for the whole game at this point. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. See if there's any more best bets from Tshu, and then one more thing I want to talk about on betting the Buckeyes. All right, Tishu, you gave us one best bet. You gave us an almost best bet. When we de- were deciding this, it was like, okay, well, 
We're going to do the New Year's Six because they still hold a little cachet, but we gave the whole bowl confidence pool last week. But I said anything that like is still out there for people that they could hear this podcast and say, oh, well, no, that was good advice. Let me go sprinkle something on that. All that's wide open for you digging in the weeds on any of this stuff. Did you dig? Did you find some stuff that's left here in bowl season? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have to dig too hard. One one game that I I do want to mention, and by the time people hear this, this game will have already been played. But I I'll give this out on Twitter. But I do really like Air Force against Baylor. Uh, I think that was seven at one point. It's now down to three and a half. I do like Air Force there. I think they're going to win that outright. Uh, so by the time people hear this, they'll know whether I was right or wrong on that. Uh, but my other best bet that I'm going to give is a team that we talked about and we both really liked uh, last week in our our confidence pool, and that's Florida State against Oklahoma. Uh, that line's up to nine and a half. I would play this up to ten. Uh, I I think they're going to roll Oklahoma like we talked about last week. I think I think these are two teams that are heading into the offseason going in different directions. And I think Florida State wants to put an, uh, an exclamation point on their season and really springboard into next year. Uh, I, I make this eleven and a half, but when you look at the recent uh, performance of these teams, I would make it twenty five and a half. So I, I think I think there's a chance that. Florida State, you know, comes out and rolls Oklahoma, and this looks kind of like the uh, Oregon State-Florida game from from earlier this week. That I think it's a great template because those are the two games that we talked about is like motivational teams who are trying to make a statement, and the Oregon State huge win over Florida played out just as we thought, and I don't think there's anything that would dissuade anybody from from thinking this will play out the same way. And both games are F versus O. Now, the first time O won, and now F wants to win. So that would also balance things out. So I, I did again, I think <laughs> you, you got to factor in the F and the O. I mean, everybody knows that. Come on. That's as tale as old as time. So I, I guess the idea of looking for motivational angles that play into other things with ratings and your your math on this and that kind of thing. And when, when those two connect, I, I really, I really think you're onto something with that Florida State pick. Here's the last thing I want to do before we get out of here. So we are here. We've been here for a lot of other states, and now we are here on the precipice of it with legalized sports betting in the state of Ohio. I can remember many moons ago, so I've been here in the state of Ohio covering college football since 2005, and early on, I'm trying to think, it might have been, if I had to guess, it was probably like 2007 or 2008. I went to Phil Steele, the great Phil Steele, who does the preseason magazine. He's based out of the suburbs of Cleveland. I think a lot of people know that. Maybe not everybody knows that. So I went up and I did a story on Phil, went to his office, saw how he did it. And I can remember at that time, he was doing the preseason magazine and he had gambling ads in his magazine. And the fact that he had gambling ads in his magazine, I think would make some college football coaches reluctant to talk to him. That he's because he what he does all preseason and he's really into it now is he he calls he talks to every program and a lot of times he's talking to the head coach for an hour sometimes it's a coordinator but he's getting he's double checking because he's doing charts and depth charts and all kinds of things about these teams and he wants to make sure the information is right so he calls people and double check stuff and back then it's not that he was a pariah but sometimes people got a little nervous because Phil Steele while producing a college football magazine, dared to acknowledge that betting existed. How dare you? And now here we are, where it's going to be everywhere and everybody can do it. And it's the same for me. I can remember going when I was a young man 
in Pennsylvania, people have fake IDs still. People have fake IDs, right? People do fake IDs. Yeah. So we would have a great thrill. Before I was 21, I had a horrible fake ID, but everybody has one. My head was the size of a peanut. I can't believe it ever worked. And it was from Nebraska because I think everybody was from Nebraska with your fake IDs back in the 90s. And we would go and we would go to Atlantic City because back then the only two places that had casinos were Vegas and Atlantic City. And Atlantic City, I was about two and a half or three hours from my house. So my friends and I, like in the summer when we were home from college, we'd get in the car and we'd drive to Atlantic City and half the gamble was, can we get in? Like, can we get through security when we're not all 21 to get in and and do a little gambling? And And it was like, you had to drive to get it. And then it was like, oh, wait, there's casinos everywhere now. The idea that I like, we had to get, and we were close enough to at least have it be an option, but we had to get the car and drive. And sometimes we'd get rejected. One time our car broke down on the way there. And then, and so we couldn't go. And so we had to get picked up. We had to get towed. And we went back and just drove go-karts near our house instead of going to Atlantic City. We actually had more fun doing that. It was like, why do we love to gamble? Shouldn't we just spend our money on go-karts? It's a great day. My alternator went out. That I remember that. I don't even know what an alternator is. I still don't. But I know it kept me from losing money in Atlantic City. So for me, Tishu, I think a lot of people can relate to this. The progression of gambling in this nation. When I, I've gone to Vegas, I don't know, probably six times in my life. And the best thing about Vegas was Atlantic City didn't have sports betting. Atlantic City only had the slots and blackjack and that kind of thing. The only place you could sports bet was in Vegas. So I would, my friends and I would go to Vegas in the summer. And it's like, what are you going to do? It's like, I'm going to bet 10 bucks on a baseball game and watch it for three hours. There is nothing I could find more enjoyable than a $10 bet that lasts three hours that I can't do legally anywhere else in America. And here we are. Here we are. And I hope people can have fun with this, can enjoy it maybe make a little money, but hopefully not lose too much money. But this is a long-winded question, which is one of the things I do best, Tissue. Can you believe it's here? Like how, and I'm older than you, I'm significantly older than you, but the progression of this, of sports betting in particular, but gambling in general in this country, I think it's okay because I think we can be responsible adults. And if you regulate it and tax it, there's a benefit for everybody, right? Are you surprised that we're here where we're all going to be sports gambling on apps in most states? Or is there a part of you that is still shocked that this is happening or has happened in so many places? I am a little surprised. I mean, it has happened very quickly because I I think was it 2018 is when the Supreme Court struck down the federal ban. Is that it, it, it's been that within the last right. it's been within the last five years, I'm I'm pretty sure. So you know, and and I've been putting together power ratings since 2017. So if you'd have told me, you know, that first time I started my spreadsheet that like, hey, in five years, you're going to be doing a show on this because people care so much about it that they're going to listen to what you have to say and then go place actual bets on their phone from their couch. Like that would have been, you know, legally, that would have been a, a foreign thought to me. So the fact that we're already here and and this into it, in such a short period of time is, is very uh, jarring. I don't want to be Pollyanna about it, but I think it'll be okay. I know there are some people who are very against it and I respect the people who, who are very against the kind of thing, but there's lots of things that people are very against that other people are allowed to do. So I, I hope it doesn't become an epidemic. I hope there's not a single person who gets in over their head because it's, it's so easy and accessible to do. Um, I do 
believe the idea that for a lot of people, having a couple bucks on a game that you're watching on TV adds to the fun. And my friends and I, I'm just all telling gambling stories. What am I doing? My grandfather, like everybody's grandfather, liked to go to the track, right? Whose grandfather didn't like to go to the track? It's like, no, everybody's grandfather didn't like to go to the track. It's just you, you degenerate. So my grandfather used to go to the track. And then there was like, he had a friend there named Peg Leg Pete. And that's just the world you you grew up in. And it would be like, we'd go to my grandparents' house on Saturday. And then I'd be like 11. And my grandfather would be leaving to go to the track for 7 p.m. start. And they'd be like, sometimes I would get to go. And it's like, hey, 11-year-old Doug, do you want to go to the track? And I was like, do I want to go to the track? I would walk to the track if you let me. And also, I was born in Las Vegas, so it's not my fault. I have gambling in my blood. So that idea, I always said, you know, and then in high school, my friends and I, we'd go and and said, if you go to a movie, if you go to Burger King in a movie and it costs you $20, you are definitely not coming home with $20 because you got entertainment and it cost you money. If you go to the track and you gamble $20 and that's your entertainment instead of Burger King in a movie, sometimes you still come home with the $20. And you had the entertainment. And sometimes you come home with more than $20. So when you could walk into Burger King and get a Whopper and onion rings and put 10 bucks down and they say, no, keep your 10 and here's another three. Get back to me when that happens for the first time. Because that's what can happen in gambling. So I look at gambling as entertainment. And I acknowledge that the vast majority of the time I'm going to lose. But there are plenty of things that I pay for that I pay for entertainment. So I will pay my gambling losses in entertainment. So that I'm not trying to get anybody who doesn't gamble. It's like, you know what? I had no interest in gambling, but Doug made it sound really good. That is not the point of this. But I just hope we can all have fun and I and I get why it's legal. You know, and I get why weed's legal a lot of places. And I get, you know, like there's stuff that's legal that you should be able to moderate yourself in the best possible world. Get help if you need it. But we're adults and adults make choices. So there's I'm maybe 10% nervous for society tissue that it's become this easy. But I think I'm 90% like, yeah, no, I think everybody should have the option of doing this because we're big and it can enhance your enjoyment. And, you know, enhancing enjoyment, Buckeye talk, come on. Like that's what <laughs> that's what life's all about, right? Like, is there any part of you, like, do you ever get nerves about like, man, gambling seems like it's everywhere now? Or is it like, no, I think we should we should all be able to be cool with this. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, like you said, there's a lot of things that people disagree with that are, that's still left up to the individual to decide. And, and I think this is just one of those things. And I think it's a natural progression for our society and i'm 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 happy about it i enjoy it i enjoy talking about it i enjoy interacting with everyone you know answering questions and trying to to educate and inform people you know on how to how to do it how to have fun but be be responsible i mean that that's obviously our biggest our biggest thing here and that that's been our goal all season is just to inform you obviously we want to be entertaining but to inform you and to make sure that you know everyone is gambling within their means and and doing it for the entertainment and you know hopefully we can win you a couple bucks on top of that yeah so good luck to everybody uh we've had a good time here on betting the buckeyes i i think we accomplished the goal that we sought out here tissue which is to talk about ohio state from a different perspective and then to try to try to educate people who are maybe a little bit new to this but after january 1st man like it's go time so i i think 
we'll all be a little more educated and then, you know, football season will be back next year and it'll be just like regular stuff that we'll do. And I'm just, I'll be very curious. um, And again, I know there's people doing it now, but just to hear the stories of people like how they integrated into their lives. Hey, like I was having a little too much fun. I had to take the app off my phone or I, I can, I just bet two bucks on my favorite game of the week. And I allot myself, you know, a hundred dollars over the course of the year. I bet, I bet one game, two bucks on every different sport every week, and I see where I wind up. There, there are ways I think that you can have a good time with it. So, always appreciate your uh, your knowledge and uh, your entertainment value here, Tissue. I think the plan will be to have you back to make picks, me and Nathan and Stephen, a week from now. But in the meantime, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and it's it's been a great season here on Betting the Buckeyes. Absolutely, thanks, Doug. Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. And I've I've definitely enjoyed it this season. And uh, hopefully, the we haven't heard from the network, but hopefully, they're going to bring us back for season two. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you never know. We should probably have a cliffhanger <laughs> to encourage them to come back. So um, I can't think of one. Oh, here's a cliffhanger. Will Doug lose all his money and be destitute? Find out next season on betting the Buckeyes. <laughs> <laughs>